I want to talk a little bit about uh, a little t- a little bit about discovering the real you and discovering who you are and and uh, and I suppose we could somehow weave that into a Mother's Day message. You know, what did Mom pop out when she popped you out? Okay, we won't go there. All right, so so forget the Mother's Day sermon, but. Uh, Anyway, so I had the team. I, I had the team boil me an egg. Uh, this is supposed to be the sermon illustration of the day. So, and I don't know. Mandy came up right before we started this section of the of the service, and she said that it didn't go well. So I don't know what is inside of this exactly, but we're going to we're going to look. We're, We're going to look. We're looking. How many of you have exploded an egg? Like Mandy's got this thing about cooking eggs in a cup in the microwave. And once in a while it doesn't go well. Is she present? Can I throw her under the bus? Peeling the egg. Not going super well. Do you ever get those shells that stick to the egg? Don't you hate it when that happens? What? That's the sol- what's the solution? What? No, it's not that warm, really. Okay, this illustration better be powerful. If this doesn't change your life, then the yoke is on me. All right. This has got to change your life right now. New doctrine. We receive the spirit of eggism. Okay, that's a bad doctrine. Okay, so, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, this would be a better illustration. But what I want to talk to you today about is about uh, discovering the real you by listening to the spirit better making room for the Spirit more so. And so, like a fruitcake pastor, I'm trying to think of a great illustration, right? And I'm thinking of an egg, okay? Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the heart of man is actually made up of two things. Everybody say two things. So the heart of man is actually made up of two things. Whenever we see the word heart or inward man then oftentimes we see that there's a reference then to a couple of different facets of that. And Hebrews 4.12 says that the heart of man is made up of the soul and the spirit. Then Hebrews 4.12 says there's another thing that it says that's very powerful. It says that the word of God is sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword, it says, and it's able to pierce or to bring a division between the two And reveal the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So the Word of God is able to actually help us discern essentially what it's saying. What is of God or what is of the Holy Spirit and what is not of the Holy Spirit or that which is not of God. So the Holy Spirit uh, uses the Word of God. The Word of God is like the standard of wisdom, the standard of truth. It's not just the Word of God written, but it's literally the Word of God to your heart. Anybody ever heard from God? Ten of you have heard from God. 
Really? Am I in the right place? Most of you have broken arms. We'll have a healing service right afterwards. So the heart of man, the heart of man is divisible. That's crazy. When we think about that, the heart of man is divisible. So in other words, you know, sometimes we get thoughts that aren't of God. You ever had a thought that wasn't of God? Be honest. Two of you. Come on, three, four of you. Okay, so, you know, all of us have thoughts sometimes that aren't of God. And, you know, Paul talks a little bit about that. The Apostle Paul, as he is writing to the church at Corinth and what we call the second letter to Corinth, and he says that there is victory for you. There is a great victory for you in the inward conflict. Everybody, anybody ever had an inward conflict? There's great victory for you in this inward conflict by taking every thought and bringing it into obedience. And he says every thought, every imagination, every argument, some of the translations say. So the, the idea, though, is that not everything popping up in your head, your mind, your imagination, even your emotions, not everything popping up in that realm is necessarily of God. And so he says to check those things. And he says do, do a check on those things often, and the things that, that and this is Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Everybody say 2 Corinthians 10. So he says that we actually want to kind of evaluate thoughts as they're popping up. And if they don't, if they don't agree with, with Christ, the victorious one, the anointed one, the Messiah, the victorious redeemer, the, the one who's rescued us, saved us, the, if they don't agree with, that his, with his testimony over us, concerning us and concerning God than to take those thoughts captive and make them or make your thought life obey Jesus. And he says there's a great victory for that. If we will do that, there's a great victory. So thinking about the egg, let's go back to the egg. So the egg, I'm going to cut it in half. In the church kitchen, there are extremely dull knives. I requested the sharpest one we possessed. Are you ready? A little gooey on the inside. (laughs) Okay, 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 but you get the idea. Not bad. It's not so gooey that it will be your over-easy egg. So this is pretty good. It will not, it should, oh, it broke. Oh, it shouldn't dribble on the floor. Okay, a portion of it broke off. I just want you to see it. See the egg. This sermon will change your life, I'm telling you what right now. See the egg. See the egg. You thought those babies were spectacular. Look at this thing, huh? Okay. Here's what I want you to see, though. I want you to see that the yolk is encapsulated. Am I saying it right? What's, what's the middle part? What? Oh, thank the Lord. Sometimes I just say the wrong thing. The yolk is encapsulated by the the white. Oh, I thought there was a complicated name for it. Okay, so I'm not an egg specialist, but the yolk is encapsulated. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that this is really the way your heart is also. That the spirit of man, which for you who believe has become one with the Holy Spirit, So I think it's 1 Corinthians 6.14 says that 
He who is one with the Lord is married to the Lord. He has become one spirit. Fact is, it's a very weird thing all the way through the New Testament. When Paul talks about the Spirit, paying attention to the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, uh, in the original Greek, there's not a capital S. So the translators have had to go through and they've had to try to figure out where is, where is the writer inspired by the Holy Spirit? Where is he talking about your spirit and where is he talking about the Holy Spirit? And it's kind of hard, but that's kind of cool because there's such a significant marriage between your spirit and the Holy Spirit that your spirit and the Holy Spirit have become one. That's a pretty cool thing. But the, but the spirit of man is encapsulated inside of the soul, and the soul is really how we either allow or disallow or how we bring forth or how we transfer the inspiration, the testimony, the truth, uh, the, the, the vision. I mean, I had people at pre-service prayer t- tell me this morning that they had, they had a dream last night. I, I mean, this is, it's the spirit, it's the spirit. And when Nicodemus said, hey, what is this, you know, how do we enter into the kingdom of God? And he's trying to figure this out, right? And this is John writing chapter 3. Verses 3 through 5, John 3. And he's asking Jesus, how how do we enter into the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, you have to be born again. And then he says, that sounds really scary. I got to go back into mom's womb. Appropriate sermon for Mother's Day. I told you there would be tidbits and nuggets that would just really make this a metaphoric day for mom's. And so Nick, and you don't want that to happen, Mom. And so, so, so he says, you mean i got to go back into Mom's womb? And Jesus says, no. No, that which is born of the flesh, that which is born of the natural is natural. But when you're born again, you're born of the Spirit. It's your spirit that is born or your spirit that comes alive. This is congruent with what Paul talks about as well. So it's our spirit Our inward man, the hidden man of the heart, Paul calls this, the spirit that's regenerated and the Holy Spirit comes into our spirit, right into our yoke, kind of, sort of, and we become one with the spirit. And so then here comes the question, uh, I mean, because that's the beginning of really discovering who you are. I think that's the beginning of you discovering who you really are. And so we have to ask ourselves, who, who really are we? Because he, here's the thing, is that the spirit, the spirit's encapsulated by the soul, and in the soul we have all sorts of stuff going on that is not really the real us. There's lots of stuff that goes on in the soul that's not the real us. We've inherited from Adam and Eve. I was going to say bless them, but might not be appropriate. We've inherited, we've inherited, you know, this uh, this rebellious nature that is alive in our soul. We've inherited uh, a connection with our arch enemy that's alive within our soul. We've we've inherited this this connection with pride and rebellion and and. You know what I'm talking about? And 
And so the person that we are even right now, even as, as we've come to the Lord and as we've, we've, we've come in the salvation, is probably not yet the real you. Isn't that crazy to think about? See, the Holy Spirit moves in, and the Holy Spirit moves into your spirit, but you got lots of stuff going on in the soul realm still. You've got lots of, you know, you've got fears, you've got unbelief, you've got uh, animosity, you've got hatred, you've got frustration, you've got, you've got all of these things going on in the soul realm, things that really aren't the real you, things that in this process of listening to coach Jesus who dwells in you by the Holy Spirit, he begins to wash out of you and you begin to receive, as the word says, Romans chapter 12, a renewed mind. Be not conformed to who you used to be. Be not conformed with who you think you are. Be not conformed with your old identity. This is Romans 12, 1 and 2, the Free Dwayne translation. Be not conformed to what you see in others. Be not conformed to what you see in the world system, but be transformed by renewing your mind. We renew our mind to the image of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, the witness of Jesus by the Holy Spirit who's become one with our spirit. And so really we begin to discover more about who we really are as we listen and pay attention to the Holy Spirit. He's coaching us. He's talking to us. He's leading us in our spirit. Yeah, amen? And we, we, have, we have opportunity every single day. We have opportunity every single day to, to say no, uh, to not respond, to quench, to disbelieve. And what's the testimony of Jesus over your life? Jesus is the one who's qualified you to walk with God, qualified you for the goodness of God, qualified you for the promises of God. Jesus is the one who, through him, you have access to the blessings of God. He is the embodiment of wisdom. He is... So you, you have access to all these things. The Holy Spirit brings that testimony in your heart to lead you, to coach you, to guide you. He is the greatest coach. The Holy Spirit who represents Jesus is the greatest coach ever, and he's dwelling on the inside of you. This is why we want to yield more and more to him, because the more you yield to him, the more you discover who you really are. In 1 Samuel, see, I think that we can be bound up Galatians 5 says, it is for freedom that you've been set free. A lot of times we're actually trying to protect things that are bondage. A lot of times we're actually defending stuff that's sabotaging our future. Uh, it's not just sin. It's not just moral issues. It's, it's habits, behaviors, paradigms. It's, it's all sorts of other things that, that we're hanging on to, and those things the Holy Spirit's trying to lead us, coach us, lead us into 
the, the good things that Father's ordained for us, and we're resisting him. We're, we're all bound up, and we're, we're not listening well. But it's the Holy Spirit. His intention is to lead you into the good, the new creation, the real creation that God ordained for you when you were created in his image and in his likeness. So you were in Adam's seed. You were in Adam's seed when Adam fell. So before Adam fell, he was actually created fully in the image and the likeness of God. You were in his seed before he fell. So God has a full picture of you in the real creation, the new creation, the full creation, because you were in Adam's seed before he fell. But when he fell, you inherited inferiority, condemnation, rejection, fear, shame. You inherited these things, but they are not yours. These are like Klingons. You got to cling off. These are, th- these are things that don't belong to you. They are not the real you whatsoever. That's why it's powerful to resist them because they're not the real you. They are not the real you. They want to limit the real you. They want to stifle the real you. They want to hinder the real you. They are not the real you. And when we see crazy things happening in the Bible, we read about these things and we're like, ah, that's cool. We don't understand it. We, we kind of want that. We're kind of like, what's that all about? First Samuel chapter 10. When we see stuff like this, this is not like an oddity. This is like not God doing something odd. This is actually God returning somebody to normal. You've been returned to normal, but we arouse, we awaken, we yield to. See, the soul can be real stubborn. The soul is your mind, will, emotions, reasoning, imagination, personality. It's the way you interpret and bring forth the spirit or stifle the spirit. But it's the way you express life and living. It's what makes some of you laugh and some of you cry the way you do. It's also where all these arguments come. Like sometimes you want to cry and you, and, you've, and you say, no, I can't, and you fight it off. Sometimes you want to laugh and you, say, and you talk yourself out of it. Sometimes you want to give and you feel like you should give. You talk yourself out of it. Sometimes you, you want to hug somebody and you talk yourself out of it. Sometimes you want to be more generous and you talk yourself out of it. You're feeling, you're sensing something in the spirit realm. You're sensing the witness of love, the witness of God, the witness of the spirit on the inside of you, but you stifle it, you hinder it, and so the real you doesn't come out. You see, if you will listen to the spirit, the spirit is your partner to return you to the real you. So 1 Samuel chapter 10 uh, uh, Samuel goes to anoint Saul, and he anoints Saul uh, with oil, and then he declares over Saul, now something crazy is going to happen to you. You're going to go up on the hill, and you're going to meet with the prophets, and when you see the prophets, you're going to be turned into or changed into another man, and when that happens, you're going to prophesy. And we see, we see these set-apart moments. We see these crazy, like, collisions of God with man where the Holy Spirit invades or intervenes or touches uh, 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 people like he did with Saul. And it says he was turned into another man, and it says it came to pass, and he prophesied with the prophets. What was that about? Was that weird? Was that odd? Was that strange? Was that goofy? Was that, was that you know what that was, I think? 
that was a return to who he really was. If you look at Saul's life, Saul was bound up in rejection. He was bound up in inferiority. He was bound up in quietness and timidity. He said when the prophet came to him, why would God choose me? Why would you choose me? I'm of the smallest tribe, and I am the smallest of that tribe in my own eyes. Yet he was like six foot nine. He was head and shoulders above the others, and they said that he was handsome. So handsome, that's why Israel chose him. But in his own heart, in the soul realm, the soul the soul was restricting the real him. There was so much bondage in his soul that he couldn't be who he really was. He couldn't express who he really was. But when the anointing came on him, he was able to express it freely without a care for what others thought. The fear of man is a snare. We need to resist the fear of man. It's one of the things that hindered Saul, and it came back to visit him again later on in chapter 15, and we see that he made a great mistake. See, sometimes if we're thinking about what others think, then we stifle the spirit, the witness of the spirit, the quiet voice of the spirit, the feelings, the inspiration of the spirit, and we don't let the Holy Spirit come forth. And when we stifle the Holy Spirit, do we realize, I don't know if we do, we're actually stifling the real you. It happened with David. Saul goes and he anoints David, right? And this happens, and, 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 and he goes to Jesse, and they bring up all of the sons, right? Is this chapter 16? Who knows your Bible? Should I look at my notes? Chapter 16, and Jesse made all the sons come forward. This is verse 10. Are all your sons here? He says there still remains the youngest one, and, and Samuel wasn't happy. The Holy Spirit was saying to the inner, the inner man of Samuel, this is not the one. So he's asking, is there another one here? We say Samuel corresponding, listening to the Spirit well. If we set our mind on the Spirit, the result is life and peace. If we follow the Spirit, that's Romans chapter 8, verse 6. If we're listening well, come on, say it with me, listen well. Listen well. Let the Spirit come forth. Yeah? There's power in this. There's power in allowing the Holy... He wants to bring out the real you, the new you, but it's the real you. It's the you that God saw about you when you were in Adam before he fell. It's the real you. It's a powerful you. It's a free you. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John eight thirty one. Chapter 16, he says, is there another son? There's not another son, and so, uh, and there is one, and so they bring in David, and then he anoints David, and then we see that that's what began the exploits of David. This began the exploits of David. It says the Spirit came on him with might from that moment. Did you know the real you is mighty? The Spirit empowered you. The Spirit awakened you. The God alive you is powerful and mighty. The anointing came on David, and it shifted his world. It shifted his paradigm. All at once, there was a witness from above that he was not just 
a lowly shepherd boy. He was one who was set apart for God. You are set apart for something great in your generation. You are set apart by God for something great in your generation. Your touch, your words, your expression is God's greatness of life. It flows out of your spirit and your soul begins to partner with it. Your soul begins to bring a yes. I think, I think the Holy Spirit wants us to get proficient. He wants us to get good at recognizing his voice. You see, his coaching voice is not just the coaching voice to avoid or overcome sin. We keep putting God in a sin box. His coaching voice is a coaching voice about every area of life. His coaching voice is to inspire, to lead, to bring forth wisdom in every single area of life. It's true. So that's what happened with David. What about with Gideon? We talked about Gideon just recently. I want the musicians to come and begin to help me this morning. We talked about David recently. What about David? I mean, I'm, I'm, what about Gideon? I was thinking about Gideon. Uh, Judges chapter 6. You remember the angel appears to him. The, you know, they got all this trouble going on. They got enemies besieging them. This angel appears to him and, and greets him and, and like says, Hail, mighty man of valor. What's that all about? Was that just like evangelistic protocol? Was that Was that some kind of a goofy salutation that angels required to bring? Or was that angel, in fact, allowed to see something about Gideon that was totally true, that was interrelated to the real him? The real him. Come on, stand with me this morning. The real you. The real you, the real you, legally, you that are born of the Spirit, the real you is victorious. But you, the real you, has to be led into victory. The real you is prosperous, but you, the real you, has to be led by the coaching Holy Spirit to prosper. The real you actually ministers healing, and you are the real you is actually a healer. But you have to be led by the coach who indwells your spirit that you might release and minister healing. The real you, the, the real you, the real you is a partaker already of the promises of God. Every single promise, because it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to the real you. The real you is a partaker. And therefore, the real you easily bears the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit-led life is joy and peace and patience. It's love. It's meekness. It's gentleness. It's forbearance. 
It's self-control. You easily bear those fruits because the real you is alive with the promises of God. And it's the promises of God that support the strength of the soul. My soul doesn't need the worry. My soul doesn't need the fear. My soul needs no anxiety. My soul needs no bitterness because the promises of God are alive on the inside of me and the real me can participate in joy unspeakable, can participate in peace and humility, meekness, self-control because I know these promises, they're dwelling within me. They're not something just written in a book. They're alive with the witness of Jesus. Because even as they belong to Jesus, they belong to my spirit man because I've been married to him. I'm one with him. That's the real you. That's the real you. He wants you to tap in. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. I want you to allow him to just woo you into a greater place of tapping in. Let him woo you right now into a greater place of tapping in, a greater place of saying yes. Yes, all across this auditorium, yes. Would you coach me, Lord Jesus? Would you coach me, Lord Jesus? He wants to coach you in engineering. He wants to coach you in legal matters. He wants to coach you in child raising. He wants to coach you in investments. He wants to coach you in every area of life. He wants to coach you in ministry. He wants to coach you in love. He wants to coach you in who you're going to reach and give to, who you're going to be generous to, how much you're going to give. He wants to coach you. He is the coach of your soul. And this morning we say yes to Him. We say yes to Him. We open our heart. We open our heart. The soul part of our heart, the part that wants to be rigid, it wants to be selfish. It wants to be jealous. It, the soul part of our life that wants to be resistant. It wants to be proud. It wants to be rebellious. But we open our soul right now. And we say, yes, Jesus, coach me. Yes, Jesus, coach me. Yes, Jesus, coach me. Yes, Jesus, coach me. I welcome your Holy Spirit to coach me, to lead me. I choose to be Spirit-led spirit-led. I want the leading to be so rich, so good that I can't tell the difference between my spirit and your spirit, that your spirit and my spirit are so interwoven, so married, so connected, that the richness of this coaching just is natural within me. I pray it and I declare it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Let's worship this morning as we go.